agree. Okay, so thank you for coming. And today's class is dedicated, as we've done for many years in a row around this time, in memory of Ralph Levy Alavashon Rafael Ben Salha and his family and members of this class for a long time, his children and his grandchildren. He's a man who was very much loved by his family, loved Torah, learned every day, loved shul, loved singing pismonim, had a beautiful safa about him. And because of that, created really, mashallah, a beautiful family of children and grandchildren and now great-grandchildren, that all of them really are following in a community Torah mindset and mentality, and it's a beautiful thing to see. And so it's a tremendous honor for our words to be dedicated in memory of a wonderful man whose nishama is already very much elevated because of all that he built on this earth. And it's an honor for our Torah today to just be one small brick and the great um, beauty that he himself has built with his beautiful family. So our Torah today should be an elevation for our Ralph Levy soul. Shalom. Amen. So here's what my class is about today. Um, you might say it's a random topic. I'm not sure if it is. But I think it's an important one. What our class is about today is why does family matter? And the reason I'm asking the question, I think what motivated me asking the question, is after going to a Hanukkah party, my in-laws in, D in Jersey on Thursday night, and my own kids on Saturday night, and my parents, my family on Sunday night, and I was like completely partied out, and it's all for family. I wanna answer that question. Why does family matter? Why does family matter? Why does it matter? Why do I need to go to every nephew's wedding and every niece and go to Sheva Berachot and deal with the drama and deal with the phone calls and deal with the stuff and all the things that come along with being a close family. Why do I need to do all of those things? Why does family matter? So everyone always just responds by saying, oh, well, it's family. I want to give some depth and some texture to its family. And I don't think I'm going to give you any major chidushim today, but I do hope that by spending some time on it, it'll give some weight to a concept and ideas that you already know. And by talking about it for the next half hour, 40 minutes, hopefully it'll give it some depth and some strength. And the reason why this is the right week to talk about it is because this is Parashat Vayigash. Parashat Vayigash is the story and the culmination of a family that was broken apart a brother that was sold to a foreign country for over 20 years, and finally in Parashat Igash they unite. Ani Yosef, they're coming together again. This family unit came with a tremendous price and a tremendous amount of challenge in order to create what the family became. Your family also comes with a tremendous price. In your family, whatever it is, your brothers, your sisters, your brother-in-laws, your parents, your children, it comes with a price. It costs a lot to maintain a family. I don't mean to pay for their your kids' tuition. I mean to maintain relationships, to keep the relationships strong, to maintain the trust. To, that costs a tremendous amount, and it's very, very difficult. And I want to say one thing before we get 
to the reasons why I think it's important. I know very well that there are plenty of family situations that there's nothing you can do. And don't take this as me talking to you and telling you that you're right or you're wrong about what's going on in your family. I'd need an hour and a half meeting with you to go through all the details and all the history from when you were born to all that happened and all the finances and all that stuff in order to really know your situation. So I'm not speaking to your right or your wrong. I'm just speaking to what is the innate value and power that comes from family. It doesn't mean that because it's so powerful and important, you should let your brother rob your whole business. I didn't say that. But I'd still it's important to realize how powerful and important it is. And if things are relatively good, it's important to realize why we invest in making it good. So I'm going to give you a few ideas. Here's number one. Number one is I think family is very important because we need each other. We need each other a lot. Yosef reveals his identity to his brothers, and we're going to keep looking back at, at this story again and again throughout the class. Ani Yosef Aurabichai. I am Yosef. And right away, it's a question that seems very peculiar. Is my father still alive? And every commentary, every reader of the Pasuk, it's almost a question that, that you, you like it, you don't even have to be a commentary to see this question. What do you mean, is your father still alive? They've been talking about your father the entire time. The past two weeks, all we're talking about is your father, our father, he's going to be worried, our father, is going to be nervous, Benjamin, our father, our father, our father, our father, our father, our father. What do you mean, is your father still alive? That's one thing we do know. And the second thing is, why are you asking it in like one breath? Like to me, the right thing to be would be, we read say, Ani Yosef, I am your brother Yosef. Oh, I can't believe it. Now I'm curious, how are the neighbors, how's mommy, how's daddy doing, how's the business, how, right, like, all of a sudden, my breath, I am just having my father still alive, like, why in one shot? So the answer, I, I think, and again, many commentaries give a similar answer, but hopefully this will be a little clearer, is there are two ways to live. There's living, and there's being alive. Living means I wake up in the morning, brush my teeth, shower, restroom, breakfast, pray, breakfast, go to work, have lunch, respond to emails, have drowsy work in the afternoon, come home, have dinner, watch something, fall asleep, repeat. That's living. That's living. Everyone is living. Then there's being alive. Being alive means your energy, your purpose, your happiness, your excitement, your enthusiasm. Everybody in this room has had days that they were alive. And everybody in this room has had days where all you were doing is living. Correct? Yes. 100%. Yosef knew that Yaakov Avinu was living. But he also knew that Yaakov Avinu was not alive. Because the reality is, a few Pesukim later, we'll see Hashem did not appear to Yaakov Avinu for the entire 20 years that Yosef was in Egypt. Hashem did not appear to Yaakov Avinu once. Once he knows Yosef is alive, then Hashem appears to Yaakov Avinu. Because the entire time Yaakov Avinu was living, but his sense of purpose and meaning and happiness was dead. 
So Yaakov Avinu was living, but he wasn't alive. And here's what Yosef was saying. Ani Yosef. I, my, the guy you sold down to Egypt, I'm good. I'm Yosef. I'm the king of Egypt. I'm good. But Haod Avihai, is our father alive? When you made that sale, did you consider the fact you didn't need me? But did you consider the fact that daddy did need me? My father needed me. He was close to me. He learned with me. He leaned on me. You sold me without realizing how much we need each other. And so in one breath, he was not asking a question. He was giving a rebuke and saying, living is done, but alive, you, you murdered that. And the reality is in a family, you could admit it, you could say it out loud or not, we need each other. We need each other's time. We need each other's support. We need each other. We need each other's encouragement. We need sometimes each other's financial support. We need each other's advice. We need each other's smile. We need each other just so we have a family to have a holiday meal with, to celebrate wedding. We need each other. And very often, when families split or families don't get along, they forget how much they need each other because whatever pain they're dealing with in the moment, they forget how much they need each other. They need each other. You need your sisters, you need your brothers, you need your nephews and nieces and cousins and aunts and uncles. We need each other. And not just do we need each other, but when God forbid a family splits apart, they don't realize that more than anything, their parents need their kids to get along. So you might not get along with your brother because he stole a million dollars from you and you might be 100% right. And you don't need him anymore in your mind. You don't realize you do, but in your mind, you don't need him anymore. But the reality is that your parents don't sleep at night either anymore because they know you and your brother aren't talking, but they know you and your sister don't get along. So the first idea to realize is that when it comes to family, and again, please don't take this as judgment on something you're doing, but understand that it's a deep need that we have for our family. Now you might say, but Rabbi, I don't really need because I have friends. I have friends. I don't know why they made a bris here today. They made a, they did construction outside. I don't know who, no one asked us permission. I don't know how they did this, but they did it. But you might say, I have friends. I, I, yes, you have, it's nice to lean on my sister, but I can't lean on my sister. So I have friends. And listen, if you can't lean on your sister, <laughs> you know what? You can even have your phone on at this point. I, I, I understand that if you, um, don't worry, no, 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 you, oh, you close it, no, no, it's not going to help. Thank you for trying. Um, maybe it helped a little. Um, I have friends. And I understand that friends are very, very valuable. I could give you a whole class on friends too. But there's a difference between a friend and a sibling or a friend and a cousin. And here's point number two. Because when it's family, there's a permanence to it. Yosef says to his brothers, Ani Yosef Achichem, I am Yosef, your brother. This is a few pesukim after he reveals his identity. I am Yosef, your brother. That you sold me down to Egypt. 
Why is he referencing the fact and reminding them, trust me, they know, that the Yosef, they sold down to Egypt. Why is he reminding them about the fact that you sold me down to Egypt? The answer is that he's trying to say, I am Ani Yosef Achichem, I am your brother. It doesn't matter that you sold me down to Egypt. I've been gone for 20 years. I'm still your brother. And even though everything you did, I'm still your brother. Because you see, friend is a relationship that can end. If I ask you to raise your hand, everyone in this room has a friend that they're no longer friendly with. It might have been a friend from elementary school, but everyone has a friend that no longer relates, that you're no longer friendly with. Because a friend can end. Family can never end. Your sister can never unbe your sister. And your brother can never not be your brother or your cousin can never not be. Even if, God forbid, they pass away, they're still your brother. And so the relation, knowing that the relationship is permanent allows you to lean on it in an entirely different way. Try to explain what I mean. So I went away. I don't think I said this week when I went, but now I can say I went to Morocco. So I went to Morocco, and now during the whole course of the week, we had a tour guide. We didn't go every day, but we did some touring with this guy. His name is Youssef, okay? Arabic guy. Good, Arab. Now, over the course of the week, with the guy, I start talking to him about, oh, I also know Arab words, like uh, flus and, you know, and wahit, nan, talate. I'm doing different words. I can't believe how many words we had. No, over the course of the week, we're becoming friendly. Can't believe the words I know. Can't believe the different things. We're friendly. The whole thing by the end, by the end, when I'm leaving to get in the car to go to the airport, I'm like, wow, this guy's my buddy. Like, why should I give him a nice tip? What size tip should I give him? I give him a tip. I get into the car and have a realization. I will never see this man again in my life. In my whole life, I will never see him again. Ever. While you're in the week, you feel like friends. You feel like friends for a long time. But the reality is you'll never see him again. But family, I don't care what your relationship is, still stays your family. And that's why leaning on family is easier than a friend. Because when you know it's so permanent, and you know it's there whether you like it or not, whether we're having a bad day, month, year, or decade, that it's still there, it allows you to lean on it in a different way. I'll give you another example. And I know, I know there are Ashkenazim in the room and Ashkenazim listening, but I'll still give this example. So I went to a yeshiva high school at Bet Midrash. That was Ashkenaz, fully Ashkenaz. If you would have seen me at 17, 18 years old, you may have even thought that I was Ashkenaz. Okay? Fully dressed away, all them very good. I'm 20 years old. I don't know why I remember this conversation, but I remember sitting at dinner one night. I was in the dormitory. I came home once about a month, besides the holidays. So I'm sitting in one night having dinner, and the boys say to me, Joey, you're going to probably marry like an Ashkenaz girl. And I looked at them, and, and I want to say, I don't want to laugh, but I want to say, you don't understand. You see, you think that I am exactly like you, but I'm here. Right now, I look, sound, we're learning together, eating together, in the same room together. I got it. But more than anything, I'm a Haber. More than anything, I'm part of this Syrian Sephardic community. And I have nothing against, against Ashkenazim, but the suffer of my family is me. So the likelihood of me marrying someone who can't make kibbeh is not high. <laughs> and 
the truth is, I obviously married Syrian, but when you're in the moment, you don't see it. But the reality is, it's that strong and that powerful. On Saturday night, we had a Hanukkah party with my children. So what do you think we do in a rabbi's Hanukkah party? I don't know what other rabbis do, but our Hanukkah party is all fun and laughing and food. And then we did, we got a guy to do a card trick over the phone. Let me tell you what it means to do a card trick over the phone. He gives us a deck of cards before he leaves. And he calls us up. He says, take the deck of cards, take any spot, take a whole stack off the deck. Okay, we take a whole stack. He says, now pile, make seven piles. Pile up, put seven piles. Good. Made seven piles. Good. Now turn over the top card on every one of the piles. We turn over the top card. He says, look at it again. And it spelled out my wife's cell phone number. From the phone. Isn't that crazy? So... And then we played a dreidel game where we had to dress up different things. Every time it falls on a gimbal, you have to put on two clothing items. The next thing you know, I'm wearing hats and masks and a glove from the kitchen. Silliest things. And now here's my family. They're all, Baruch Hashem, they're learning Torah, involved in Torah. I said it after the whole party's over. It's 1130. I'm like, guys, do you have any idea why we did this? Why did we just spend two and a half hours on complete silliness? Total nonsense. I'd be embarrassed if anybody walked in at any point in the last two and a half hours. Why'd we do this? I all of a sudden got rabbi on the situation. And I said, the reason we did this is because as a family, we need each other. And we're always going to need each other. And so you need to have these moments where you bond and you laugh so that you lean on each other when times are good or times are bad and you're going through something or not going through something. And we need to call on each other Unless the bonds, you keep strengthening those bonds, then we can lean on each other the right way. But what if a family situation isn't good? What if a family situation is difficult and tough, which I'll bet you if I had a private interview with almost everyone in this room, everyone would have one faction of their family that is. Maybe it's their husband's side, maybe it's their side, maybe it's their parents' brother's side, their mother's brother's side, their in-law's brother's side. Everyone's got a part of their family that's very difficult. For that, we have this pasuk, which leads us to point number three. Yosef tells his brother, and now, Al do not be sad. And don't be angry. That you sold me down to Egypt. It's because for sustenance and for food, Hashem sent me before you. This pasuk, incidentally, is you know how people say, oh, it worked out, it all works out, it's all from Hashem, it all worked out, it's all, it's all fine, it all worked out. The source for that idea that it all worked out is this pasuk. Because Yosef is telling his brothers, I know you sold me, I know you wanted me then, dead, but in the end of the day, Hashem made it all work out. So the concept that we all believe in, that when someone's going through something, you tell them, don't worry, Hashem's going to make it all work out. The source for this is Yosef tells this to his brothers. I know it was messy the last 20 years, but it all worked out. But I want you to understand and appreciate the depth of what he means when he says it all worked out. Here's what he's saying. What he's saying to them is this, is the fact that you sold me down was a great thing. Not just the fact that I am now today good and I survived it. What you did was great. Because... If there's no sale of Yosef, he never ends up in the house of Potiphar. If he never ends up in the house of Potiphar, he never gets falsely accused. 
If he never gets falsely accused, he never ends up in jail. If he never ends up in jail, he never meets the Sada Mashkin and Sada Alfim. If he never meets the Sada Mashkin and Sada Alfim, those two people never know that he can interpret dreams. If they don't know that he can interpret dreams, then when Paro has a dream, they don't know that he's the man. And if they don't know he's the man, Yosef never gets taken out of jail. And if Yosef doesn't get taken out of jail, he never becomes the king of Egypt and the person in control of the world economy. Your sail down to Egypt, I didn't become a king despite the fact that you sold me. I became a king because you sold me. Your sail down to Egypt is what made me me. When you have difficulty within your family, you didn't choose this. You didn't ask for this. You didn't want this. There's nothing about it that you're enjoying. Because like I said, family is permanent. So even if you're not talking for 10 years, if you're not talking for a friend to a friend for 10 years, within three months, you don't remember it anymore. But if you're not talking to a sibling for 10 years, every day is like it started today. And it's still fresh. And it's still new because the relationship is permanent. So when the relationship is permanent, I'm always thinking about it. My brother didn't invite me to the wedding. I can't believe he didn't invite me to the wedding. What kind of audacity does he have that I didn't come to his wedding? I can't believe my other brothers are going to his wedding if he didn't invite me to the wedding. And that's what you're spending time. It's always on your mind. But that struggle also, whether we ask for it or not, builds you. Yosef was saying, I didn't wish that we never had a struggle, says Yosef. The struggle built me. The struggle is what made me, me. So if God decides that God forbid that the family is going to have a struggle, and it's something you never wanted in your deepest nightmares, you never wanted. If that's what happens, that means Hashem is sending you something to build you. It's difficult. I wish it wasn't there. But... Just like Yosef needed a sale to become a king, you need whatever is happening around you, assuming, assuming you didn't create it, you need what is ever happening around you in order to build your you. Now, I don't have dramatic examples because any dramatic example would either be personal for me or personal for somebody else and not appropriate to say. So I'll give you a very dumb example. But my point is how family ultimately builds you. You know, I remember when I first got married, so I was learning in Kolel. I was young and learning in Kolel, the whole thing. When I say learning in Kolel, I was one of those people who walk around and we're doing You couldn't hear one word I said. And every time I'd come to my in-law's house and Grandpa Morris was there, my mother-in-law's father, he'd always stop me and say, Joey, how are you going to be a rabbi one day if we can't hear you? You don't talk. I don't know, Grandpa, you know what I'm saying? I did the Rashid. He's just like, no, no, you don't talk. I don't hear you. And he would say it to me again and again, Joey, you need to speak clearly. And I wasn't thinking about being a rabbi then. I was young. I was thinking about a Tosafot and Bababatra. I wasn't thinking about a rabbi. But you know what? He kind of pushed me to speak clearly. And I guess at this point I speak clearly. <laughs> but that is what happens in family. Hashem makes family for them, for you to lean on them in a permanent way. But he also makes it that sometimes, if God forbid this happens, that it's something that strengthens you in a powerful way. Which leads me to point number four. Which hopefully, your family situation is not what I just described. Hopefully, the situation is good. If the situation is good, what makes family so wonderful is this next pasuk. 
Yosef sends to his father. Now he's going to send his brothers back to his father. He sends to his father, he sends to his father food. But the Pasuk kind of breaks it down in two parts. He sends 10 donkeys of Tuv Mitzrayim, of all the good in Egypt. And then he sends 10 mules carrying bread. And it says Le'aviv twice in the Pasuk. So commentaries ask, why, you, like, why the 10 donkeys and then another 10 mules? Why all the good of Egypt and the bread? As I think Yosef was sending a message, besides all the spiritual messages that we learn about in school, but he's sending a very plain and simple message. I'm sending 10 mules of food to take care of my father's necessities. But I'm also sending 10 donkeys of goods, of goodies, of good things, of things that my father doesn't need to just show him how much I love him and care about him. So I'm sending this, the necessities, but I'm also sending this to show him this other piece that family hopefully always is. His family is your baked-in, built-in cheerleaders. They are the people that are always rooting for you, even though they fight for you, even though they fight with you, even though sometimes they're jealous of you. They're the people that are rooting for you. The knowledge that you make a wedding, they're going to be there. Bris, they're going to be there, even if you don't talk to them. It's so much. The fact that they'll send you a text message when there's something going on or something on your mind, those that knowledge that your family is there and they have them, they're rooting for you, is something, a very powerful thing to experience. Because you can't go through life without cheerleaders. It's very difficult to go through life where you feel like you're completely alone. It's much easier when you feel like you're playing, you're throwing the football and there are fans that are cheering in the seats. It's much easier to go through life when you feel like there are people that care and there are people that permanently care and there are people that are invested and there are people that are rooting. Let me give you a little example. Which wedding, what type of wedding do you think is the most fun to go to? I'll tell you my answer. You see, your own kid's wedding is nice, but it comes with a ton of pressure. Because you got to make sure everyone's okay, your kids are okay, you have to make sure every guest's okay, you have to pay for a lot of things, it's a lot of pressure. When you go to a, a stranger's wedding, it's very nice, you're very happy for them, but you know, you kind of, uh, you know, you have to go, you have to leave, you have other things you have to do. To me, the best wedding is a niece or nephew's wedding. Because you're a host, you're partially a host at the wedding, and you don't have to pay for a thing. It's a wonderful experience. And the reason why it's a beautiful thing is because when you're sitting there with that niece or nephew who got married, you raise them a little bit. So when my kid gets married, I tell my brothers and my brothers-in-law, you're partly this kid's father. You rooted for him. You encouraged him. You said a word here. You said a phrase there. You gave a little advice over there. You made a Hanukkah party that we came to over there. You made a Pesach said that we joined over there. You encouraged him when he was doing well in school and you got excited. So family is your built-in team of people that are rooting for you and rooting for you to succeed. I want to tell you where I felt it and realized how true this is. So you know my niece passed away about two years ago, almost two years ago. And a year after she passed away, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law opened a bridal. They called it Sharon's bridal. They didn't want to call it a gemach, because gemach sometimes sounds like weak and yeshivish. So they called it Sharon's bridal. They built this gorgeous room. 
and a, a place where brides can come and get a wedding gown. It's fantastic, it's magnificent, it's an unbelievable project. Recently they did a fundraiser, online fundraiser, and they made a video. Maybe some of you saw the video. They made a video, and they had a few rabbis in the video, they had a few family members in the video. So I was in the video because I guess I'm both, so I was in the video. And I'm talking in the video, and then the video comes out, they show us the video, this is the one we're going to use, this is what they created. And I'm like, I tell my wife, honey, you know the truth? This isn't a good video. It's too repetitive. It's too boring. I'm seeing the same scene of that room. The room's gorgeous, but I can't see it straight for five minutes again and again. This is not a great video. So my wife says, I hear you and I agree, but I don't know. I said, listen, I do, I've done this before, so I know a little about this. I call my sister and I said, ah, we got to switch this video. She says, I hear you, but I don't really know my head from I said, listen, let me call the producer and I'll try to deal with it with her. My sister-in-law says, thank you so much, perfect. I called the producer. I said, you got to make it into a story. You need to have, like, talk about her childhood a little bit, her wedding, and then go into opening the doors of the bridal and make it into a story. That'll be powerful. The woman said, wow, that's fantastic. She says, what are some of these you wanted to say? So I said, like, it should say, you know, she had so much beauty, and, like, she kind of left the beauty on this earth, and, like, the way she left that beauty is in this, in this place. And all of a sudden, I started hysterical crying. And I was like, I felt awkward, like I was trying to stop. I'm talking to some producer, I'm in my car, on the phone, talking about a video, and I couldn't stop. Because you know why? I was, and still am, my niece's cheerleader. I don't know how much I said to her, you know, she's very close to my daughters in my house all the time, but you know, uncles, you're not having long conversations with your niece every week. But I was always her cheerleader, and she always knew it, and I still feel it. And so even now, two years later, it's still very, it's still very real. Because when you have family around you that's rooting for you, it's such a powerful thing. And that leads me to my fifth and final concept. And this is whether you like this or not, this is the reality. Your family is a big part of your identity. Who you are, in large part is defined by what your siblings and your parents and your grandparents and your cousins, what they do. That's how life is. I'm gonna give you a little pasuk here. Yosef tells the boys, his brothers, go tell our father, et kol all the honor I'm getting in Egypt, vet kol and everything you saw. What does it mean, everything you saw? And since when does Yaakov care about the honor Yosef is getting? He just wants to know Yosef is still alive. What do you care to tell, you, to tell our father about the honor? The answer is, here's what he wanted them to know. Go tell our father that even though I'm getting all this honor, tell him it kol asher eitem. Tell him everything else you saw. Tell my father that even though I'm in Egypt 20 years separated from him, and even though I was in jail, and even though I'm a powerful man today, tell our father that I'm still a kosher person. I still am raising my children on the path of Torah. I'm still doing Torah mitzvot. I am still a Yisraeli. I'm still Yaakov Avinu's son. Because at the end of the day, my identity is not Egypt, is not Potiphar, is not jail. My identity, in the end of the day, often for all of us, is our family. And that's what Yosef was trying to say. And the truth is, I know this personally to be really true. Because I can't tell you how many times, if my brother does something, I did it. And if I do something, my brother did it. 
How many times do you say, who is he? Oh, he's his brother. That's this, that, that. We look at a family as a powerful unit. And we define them by each other. What your sisters do, what your siblings do, it's all part of who you are. You know, me having a lot of siblings that do a lot of things. At points, I've had different emotions. And then once I said, stop, this is awesome. Because what this brother-in-law does and what this sister does and what that brother does is all part of my brand. So your, your family is part of your identity. So sometimes there might be a piece that you really rather not be so associated with. And there might be a piece that you rather say, I wish that wasn't part of my identity. But the reality is, it all is. In fact, last week I told you a story about my mother. Do you remember I told you a story about my mother, how she covered her hair? So now, the funny part of the story is I got the story wrong. <laughs> my mother calls me up and says, Joey, the whole community, I all kinds of people calling me up and saying I was walking out of pillowcase. I wasn't walking out of pillowcase. I said, Mom, what do you mean? That's the story. She said, that's not the story. It's true that I decided in the hotel room, but I didn't wear a pillowcase. I'm not that crazy. I said, so what'd you do? She said, I wore my going away hat. So I walked around in the city with this big, fat, long, flappy hat with my hair inside it. That's what I did. I didn't do a pillowcase. I said, Mom, I'm positive you told me pillowcase. Either way, obviously I got it wrong. She got it right. She was there. I wasn't a thought even then. Either way, that's part of that story partly defines me. Because that's how family is. Your sisters and your brothers are part of what makes you, you. What's my point? So I gave you five different reasons why family is powerful and important. You need each other. The relationships are permanent, whether they're good or not, whether they're alive or not. Struggles within a family builds you. Happiness within a family roots for you. And in the end of the day, it, your family comes together to create your identity. So therefore what? Therefore this. Therefore, the next time you have an interaction, make sure you know how valuable it is. The next time you want to get insulted by something small, make sure you realize that if you choose not to talk, realize what you're giving up. Make sure you realize that if you choose to be cold, realize what you're giving up. Realize how powerful it is. And there are a lot of levels of relationship that you can have with your family. Because you could be unbelievably close where you talk six times a day. Or you could be semi-close because maybe talking six times a day isn't so healthy for your relationship and for your mindset. But you talk once a day or once a week or once a month based on whatever level you think the relationship should be. But understand the power and importance of it. And yes, I know that there are times where a relationship with family has to end. I understand that. But make sure you know what you're giving up when you let it end. Make sure you realize it's not just, I don't need these people anymore. I don't need them in my life. Maybe you don't need to talk to them every day. But it's still great to have cheerleaders. It's still great to have people around you that build you and build a, create a, a powerful identity for you. And therefore, this oh, I'm really late. But I want to give you this one last story. Yosef falls onto the shoulder of Benjamin. And he cries. And Benjamin falls on his shoulder and he cries. And Rashi says that moment seems very raw and very beautiful. But Rashi turns it into a completely different thing. 
Now she says Yosef cried about the fact that one day the Beit HaMikdash is going to be destroyed, which was in Benjamin's portion. And Benjamin described because one day Mishkan Shiloh is going to be destroyed, which was in Yosef's portion. Why are they crying about the Beit HaMikdash, which is a thousand years away? Why are they crying about that right now? The answer is, here's why they're crying. Because even though the 20 years of animosity just ended, and now they're a family that's unified, the sad reality is that hatred will always persist. Hatred will always be there so strong that in a thousand years from now, our Beit HaMikdash will be destroyed because of this hatred. And the sad reality they were crying about in that moment is we wish that love would win forever. But the reality is it won't. And here's why it won't. Because they cried on each other's shoulder or neck. What is the neck? The neck connects the brain to the heart. The neck connects the mind to the emotions. What usually happens when fights take place is that the brain and the emotions are disconnected. The emotions of the moment overpower what the brain knows. And so they cried on each other's necks because they knew that at times people won't connect the brain to the emotions. People won't be able to see how important family is in the moment when they got insulted or a secret was told or they weren't invited. They won't be able to see how power, they won't be able to see the big picture from the small moment. So they're crying about the fact that hatred won't go away. And they're crying on each other's neck because that's the reason it won't go away. The reason it won't go away is because people won't always have the strength of mind and intelligence to overpower whatever weak moment they're in. So again, I hope I'm clear. I'm not judging anybody and anyone's family because I don't know enough about anyone's situation to do that. So don't walk away and think that that's what happened. But what I did happen to say is I want you to understand the value of what you're in. You know, if you decide to sell a house, you better know how much it's worth. If you decide to sell out part of your family, you better know how much it's worth. Because your family could be everything to you if you're willing to pay the price to make it stay strong. So yes, there are a million factors in life, but family is one of the most permanent things you'll ever have. My great-grandfather, your great-grandparents that you never met, help identify who you are. So the next time you're in a small interaction, make sure the power of your mind is so much stronger than the weakness of the moment. Thank you very much.